another world, another time, in the age of wonder. You are listening to Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone! Dea, Tea, Dara, Tea. Your vital essence, the Dark Crystal. Kida, Kida. Come, come, see for yourself. Aru, Garu. How very interesting. Dea, Tea. I feel the song of Thra in my heart. Now go, you heroes of Thra. Hello and welcome to Trial by Stone, the Dark Crystal podcast. I'm your host, Phil, and I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in to this podcast. Um, this one, this is really just going to be a short intro, um, introduction for this episode. Um, so a while ago, we actually did a uh, special like Thraloween um, chat, uh, which uh, Sydney did with, um, with Janet and, and Zay, who was there as well. Um, just talking about the Dark Crystal Adventure game, um, and it was a, a time when the game was coming out within a couple of months' time, um, and and recently I, I realised I hadn't I hadn't actually released it as a podcast episode, so um, so I know that I think only some of you might have seen the video chat um, through the event uh, that was back in October last year, so. Um, so I thought I'd just release, um, this show for, um, for this episode of Trial by Stone. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, just hope you enjoy, um, just, uh, yeah, you know, the chat that Sydney had with, um, that Sydney and, and Zay chatted to, uh, Janet about the Dark Crystal Adventure game. And yeah, so I, th- I think that's pretty much it I'm just going to say. So I'll just, um, leave it at that. Um, I hope you've been enjoying um, all the coverage with the trial by stone shows and um yeah look forward to uh yeah hope you really enjoy more of our shows uh coming up in the future so here's sydney and zay chatting to janet hello everybody uh for our future re-upload of this conversation welcome to trial by stone the dark crystal podcast i'm your host sydney and today we are doing a little q a uh, live stream chat. We have Janet, the lovely Janet from World Anvil, celebrating their fourth year in business. Happy birthday to World Anvil. It is Halloween, and uh, actually, we are celebrating Thraloween here at uh, the Dark Crystal podcast with Zay from the Dark Crystal Great Conjunction from TamesCon. So, uh, hello, ladies. We may have uh, Jack from uh, River Horse Games joining us later, depending on whether or not um, the situation in the UK with electricity pops back on. So we're just going to go ahead and get started as a girls' night, girls, girls' party. Well, it's girls' night where you guys are, but it's girls' morning over here for me early <laughs> before noon. Um, we have, somewhere. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So we're going to be talking about the RPG, getting a a little bit of a a dive into any questions people might have about the RPG, the adventure game. Um, We've been sort of releasing a lot of little tidbits about it lately. So yeah, we have two uh, participants right now uh, already got some questions going. So how are you guys doing? I know we've already been chatting for a couple minutes, but um, 
Janet, how are you doing on this lovely day? Yeah, I'm really hyped to be here. Um, as you said, we just celebrated our fourth anniversary as mm -hmm. World Anvil, which is my world building platform, RPG campaign manager and novel writing software platform, essentially. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was that was really wonderful, really exciting moment. And uh, yeah, I just love talking all things Dark Crystal. So I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us again. And of course, Zay, the mastermind behind the, as far as we know, the only dark crystal convention the world has ever known. And <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, joining me in a Thralloween costume, this Gelfling, for those of you who are not watching the video, um, I am sitting here as a Seafin, uh, and we have Zay representing, uh, looking like Kira, if, if that was intentional, or if you were sort of your own character, but you're you're Kira to me. Is that what you're going for today? It's kind of a Kira cloak slash Rian vibe because I've got the dark hair, so I always mm -hmm. feel like I can channel Rian quite well. But yeah, yeah. loving beautiful. loving my Gelfling ear is yeah <laughs> beautiful Stonewood sort of princess vibes over here. So all right, um, to dive right in, we do actually have kind of a kind of a weird, morbid start for our first question. Um, <laughs> and I debated, I was like, should I go ahead and like, should this be the first question or should we maybe save this guy for once we've lightened up a little bit? So um, the first question I mean, we have, Halloween. it is <laughs> Halloween. That's actually a really good point. So um, from Ian Aliff, we have, how do you handle character death? So I presume Ian, you are referring to uh, in game when a character, you know, runs out of hit points and what happens in that moment. Is that something you feel like you could comment on, Janet? Yeah, definitely. So awesome. this is a really good question for RPGs because mm -hmm. um, when you're reading a novel, things happen to the characters and stakes can be higher or lower. Again, when you're, when you're uh, watching a movie, like it's all decided for you. But the minute that you're playing a story at your table, suddenly you have to take these things into consideration. How lethal is this world? How easy is it to die? And yeah, what happens when you die? It's a question <laughs> we've been asking since the dawn of time, right? Yeah. Um, so it's an excellent question. And um, it's something that we thought about very carefully when we were putting together the RPG. So the world of Thra is um, multicolored and beautiful and wondrous, but it is also dark and it is very dangerous. Which mm -hmm. means if you get into a lot of combat in the RPG, you might die. It can happen. There are various injury tables and you can sustain permanent injuries. You can lose a limb. You can lose an eye. And um, without giving too much away, I was very careful to add things like prosthetics. I was careful mm -hmm. to add ways to ameliorate some of this damage without without undoing it right because it's part right. of the story of the character mm -hmm. um so so this was something that we thought about very carefully when we were thinking about lethality when we were thinking about injury and mm -hmm. and, and sort of how people survive and go on in this world yeah and when when everything falls apart when you go to join the great beyond then there is a special scene that you will turn to in the book Oh. where the remaining players will have a kind of funeral for the character that has passed, which right. is 
such a beautiful idea in in yeah. my opinion this was this this was not a part that i wrote this was something that, that jack put together oh. um an absolutely beautiful moment where you you sort of have a in story terms you have a recap of their life mm -hmm. but in it's a eulogy right you you yeah. remember the deeds of this character and you take a moment um, and you roll up a new one because it's an RPG and everybody at the table yeah. should be having fun. Yeah, so new characters. So it serves the story in a really nice way, but it also enables people to keep playing and, and keep moving forward with the story and having fun. So I thought that was handled really well. Um, again, we had a lot of conversations about this, but I thought that was handled really well by uh, by that mechanism and that having that sort of jumped sort of cutscene within the within the yeah. story. That's actually so brilliant to me as um, someone who's played other RPG formats to have a, a eulogy tribute to a dying character sort of built in. Um, because as far as I can recall, unless I'm mistaken, playing like D&D &D 5e, for example, that's sort of up to the discretion of the DM and, you know, how they want to handle the death of a character in their world and it's not something that's like oh when a character dies here's this built-in way that we can pay tribute to that character before we roll up a new one it's sort of um it's that that's kind of in in my book that's a little revolutionary to be able to <laughs> that's amazing to have that just built into the system um yeah. and it it sort of lightens it up i mean a little bit you know it's not just sort of like oh well you're dead new character time oh well <laughs> That's... One of the big differences with with Dungeons and Dragons worlds as opposed mm -hmm. to the Dark Crystal is yeah. it doesn't seem like it, right? But the mm -hmm. Dark Crystal is actually a low magic world. Yeah. The main characters do not often use magic to solve big problems. Right. Um, magic, of course, Flaya is what we're talking about, but um, right. it's not it's not like you fight creatures with magic. Generally, you fight creatures with um, lots of gelflings together and swords and shields and and uh, stink bombs and, and, and smoke bombs, this kind yeah. of thing. That's that's what gelflings are armed with. So in the Dungeons and Dragons style worlds, which are so high magic, there's what yeah. I like to call the revolving door of death, mm -hmm. where characters can actually die multiple times and it kind of takes the drama out of it because, mm -hmm. you know what, you can bring them back. If you go get enough money, you can bring them back. If you have the right scroll or the right spell on you, you can bring them back from death. But that's not the way the Dark Crystal works, because as we were talking about before, one of the critical messages built into the Dark Crystal is that an unnatural life is less good than a natural death. So right. this like unnatural, extended, exploitative life mm -hmm. is less good than a true and honest and noble death. So it actually, like, I think it really captures that message perfectly, the way that they... Yeah. Uh, well the way that we all approach that yeah because it's it's sort of uh it ties in with how sort of in gelfling culture the idea that death is not really an end it's a ascendance <laughs> it's ascending to rejoining thra which is Absolutely. completing the circle going back to where you came from and um so it's not necessarily a sad thing. I mean, inevitably it is, there is element, an element of sadness to it, but it's, it's very much like, no, that's the path that we all 
go to and and rejoining thraw is sort of what our bodies are meant to do and it's it's a beautiful thing and it's so yeah to tie that into the game makes perfect sense um and it goes to show that uh i sort of have made the observation that this game was primarily for dark crystal fans first and rpg enthusiasts a little bit second not to discount you know rpg enthusiasts but to say that if you are a massive Dark Crystal fan, but you don't have a lot of experience playing other RPGs, it's very friendly toward you. And it's it's not like, you know, you have to be a massive RPG nerd and have played a million kinds of tabletop RPGs to be able to dive into it. It's not alienating in that way. Um, it's because it's not too intimidating from my perspective. Yes. The system yeah. is incredibly straightforward because mm -hmm. the Dark Crystal is all about story, right? Like yeah. that's why we watch it. We watch it for the world. We watch it for the exploration. We watch it for the story. So there's yeah. been a huge amount of focus po uh, placed on that, on that mm -hmm. side, on so many places to explore, so many hooks for stories. And yeah. then the system is is really to serve the story. So it's it's very straightforward, which means that if you've never played an RPG before, you need what in RPG terms is called a D6 and what everybody else mm -hmm. calls a regular dice, right? Like mm -hmm. a six-sided dice. The QB one. <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. Like a little cube. You could yeah. make it yourself if you wanted. They've kept everything very, very simple. Um, Jack is responsible for the, the system itself. It's one that he's mm -hmm. used in, in other IPs as well. Mm -hmm. And it's it's one that we we tweaked to make sure that there were there were enough Dark Crystal specific things going on mm -hmm. essentially we had the right kind of skills essentially so that right. you could do the things you need to do in the world to move the story forward mm -hmm. but um yeah i would definitely say if you've never played an rpg before one of the things that we decided going in was that this would be a gateway rpg if you've never played totally. an rpg you can pick this up you can run a game for your friends as long as you read the book it's got everything in it you don't need anything extra it's not complicated yeah, absolutely. I would I would definitely agree with that. Um, we also have, let's see, is there a mechanism that allows players to influence the story similar to WFRP's story points or blades in the dark, uh, blades in the dark's flashbacks? So WFRP. Warhammer fantasy role playing. Right, right, right. WFRP, I think. Got it, got it. Um, so I'm going to uh, lose a lot of RPG street cred, but I've played neither Blades in the Dark nor Warhammer fantasy role-playing. Um, although I do know what you're talking about with regard to, to those kinds of mechanisms. So there's nothing built into the system because as I said, we kept the system super light. Mm -hmm. um, but there are a lot of things built into the story that give you a lot of space for that. Now, I don't wanna, I don't wanna reveal too much, but there are some spaces where the characters bring forward the conflict and the characters bring forward the drama. So okay. um, the dark wood, the, the deepest, darkest part of the wood, which is this sort of, at, at this point in the, in the, in the world, this is a, a wood that is, is infested with, with the blight, right? This, this sort of mm -hmm. darkness that is, is going yeah. through Thra. I made a lot of psychological stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I made a lot of things that will react to the way the characters are made. Mm -hmm. And I straight on made a space where characters' backstory plays a huge role in a mini adventure. So okay. the characters do have a lot of choice 
particularly in that area, to bring forward backstory that maybe hasn't even been discussed before um, and to change the way the adventure is going to go. But the big adventure in The Dark Crystal is that you have 99 days to collect the seven seeds of the great trees as a kind of arc to, mm-hmm. um, to, to guard against what is coming. That's the, that's the sort of overarching concept. It doesn't mean you can't play other stories within the, within the RPG, but it's definitely right. set up so that that first story is really the introduction to the world. Yeah. And then if you want to go off on other adventures, do you know what? There are over a hundred scenes in there to go and explore of crazy places. Yeah. And even left, I even created spaces off the map where I was like, this is a space like this. Who knows what's beyond it? You can go <laughs> explore if you want to. Because right. uh, Scarith, which is the, the region that they're exploring, is um, mm-hmm. it's just a small chunk of the world. It's, right. it's, a, it's, a, it's sort of less than Europe-sized, I would say. It's like France and Germany-sized, maybe, okay. um, depending on how fast a Gelfling walks. <laughs> right. So there's a, there's a lot of space for exploration and telling other stories. Uh, if you're an experienced RPG person, it's definitely something you could do, and it would be a yeah. great element to introduce. But it's not something that we baked into the world or into the system, right? Like, sort of very heavily. That's really interesting. That um, as as well, though, I think too, if you got really, um, if you played through everything there was to play in the book, and you got really familiar with how to go through gameplay, how to run a campaign uh, with this RPG, it stands to reason that it wouldn't be terribly difficult to then sort of start crafting your own scenes from that point. Um, Just completely start from scratch and like, okay, well, here's something that we didn't do and and completely come up with your own um, based on all the context of what you have done uh, in the book, what has been um, laid out for you. And I think the bigger a Dark Crystal fan you are, and you know, if you have that Dark Crystal Bible, the world of the Dark Crystal <laughs> to use as reference, and you've seen the movie or the show a million times, so you have all this like extra story meat floating around in the ether that you can use, um, it'll make that all the more easy for you to, to sort of craft your own adventure. <laughs> out of it. So, I mean, it's brilliant. I, I've, I've said it before in our, our first um, interview with you and Jack, um, but having an RPG set in Thra is sort of like your way of being able to craft your own season two or three or 47. <laughs> if Absolutely. You, yeah. So um, what do you think to people that don't know the Dark Crystal at all? I mean, maybe they, they've heard of it, but they're not familiar with the kind of wider world. For those people coming to this, do you think that they would get on with it, that they would find it, you know, easy to access and use and understand? Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. The base concepts are explained at the beginning of the book. And again, um, Jack and the the River Horse Games crew did something very smart, which was they started by setting an unreliable narrator Mm -hmm. as the introduction. So Augra is the person who does the narration. And I know that everybody here knows who Augur is, so I won't mm-hmm. explain that. Um, <laughs> and basically says, there have been many stories. There will be many stories about Thra. Some of these stories are true. Some of these stories are not. After all, what is truth? And it sort of goes on like this for a bit and basically says, whatever, play, whatever plays at your table is the truth. 
So after that, there's a little bit of history. There's a little bit of a basis for the world, just, just a small amount to get people started. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of art. There's a lot of description about what's in there. But if you're not familiar with the Dark Crystal world, it's still all pretty clear. There's there, there's enough description to get you going. There's a clear description of the different clans. There's a clear description yeah. of, you know, the the Skeksis and 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 the, sort of the status quo, as it were. And that's definitely enough to get you into the space. Uh, and if you introduce stuff because you're not a massive Dark Crystal fan that is not technically Dark Crystal canon, well, who cares? That's the beauty yeah. of RPGs. You can play that at your table and you can yeah. play your version of the game. So I think that... Um, yeah, it it really is. I think it should be very approachable for people who aren't familiar with the art, with the with the Dark Crystal. But I've put so many Easter eggs in there. <laughs> Excellent. One of the things one of the things I did um, early on was I found the bestiary, and I went through the bestiary and I literally made a list of everything in the bestiary and I said it is my job to get all of these creatures into this RPG. So sometimes they're just mentions. They're not all like big big boss monster fights or something right. but, but there's little smudges these creatures are everywhere so if you are familiar with with you know the bestiary and the books and and everything else it's all in there guys i it's everywhere it's like everything <laughs> i read in the comics and the books and the uh the rpg everything i saw from gameplay of the video game it's in wow so uh in terms of i i know we sort of touched on how um, how we handle the topic of things being canon, because, you know, whatever's at your table is the truth. Um, and, and that is kind of the way that the Dark Crystal franchise in general has, has handled canon is just sort of like, we see lots of possible paths, some good, most bad. And, um, you know, the different uh, retellings of different events shake hands. They don't necessarily match um, because it's all very much dependent on who the storyteller is. And so it works very organically with the RPG format. But in terms of when the story arc of the RPG, as it is in the book, this takes place after the events of Age of Resistance, correct? That's right. So Age of Resistance itself is an amelioration of the books with mm -hmm. some different choices that were made. Um, so books one and two are fairly canon, but books three and four, I think, were being written as the the Dark Crystal show was being mm -hmm. made. That I think that was the yeah. timeline. So mm -hmm. um, there is there is a lot of shaking hands of events and a lot of things that happen slightly differently in the books to the RP to the um, the Netflix show and a mm -hmm. lot of a lot of things that happened in the books naturally that that don't appear in the Netflix show right. but are implied or are not implied or may or may not be going on in the background. There's, there's yeah. a hell of a lot of story in four books to put yeah. in one yeah. TV show so. because the point of view is different. We're seeing it through the eyes of completely different characters in the book, so we're seeing the story as they experienced it. Absolutely. So, however you as the game master that's the mm -hmm. person who leads the game uh, and sort of sets the scene for the players mm -hmm. however you decide the past has, has played out has has gone on that's mm -hmm. absolutely fine but the starting point of the rpg is after the netflix season has ended essentially okay. so it's it's not specified how much but the gelflings are going into resistance there's a there's a certain sort of calling to arms there's a 
there's a, a, a militance that is that is yeah. really part of current affairs. The Skeksis have definitely revealed themselves to be the enemy at this point. Yeah. There is no doubt about that. And that's something that was, was um, if you haven't seen the Netflix show, that's something that really progressed through the Netflix show. The, uh, that was the, the big world change. At the beginning, the Netflix are our devoted yeah. paternal figures, essentially. They're kind of the patriarchy. And then yeah. at the end, they are, they are absolutely revealed to be the villains of the piece. And that's yeah. where we start the RPG. You know, that already answers a lot of questions for, for Dark Crystal fans floating around just to know like, okay, when does this take place? What is my character knowledge? Because I know a lot of the time with RPGs in general, um, there is sort of that line to walk between character knowledge and player knowledge. And if this game were taking place, say, you know, in the middle of the events of Age of Resistance and it doesn't make sense for the Gelfling to have the knowledge yet that it's it's known that the Skeksis are, are draining Gelfling for their essence, right? So, but we as players who have presumably seen the show and seen the movie, we know. So that can create sort of awkward situations sometimes when you're playing the game and you're role-playing and, and making decisions for the actions you take in the game to solve problems and things like that. And as though the character doesn't know things that you, the player in reality, actually know about the lore. So having it take place after characters already have gotten that knowledge solves a lot of that, like fixes so many of those problems. Definitely. But um, it's worth mentioning that the, the original movie takes place in the future, according yep. to the game and the Netflix show. So yep. again, you have to have this kind of like, it's, I mean, technically, it's dramatic irony, right? You know, yeah. but your your character doesn't know. Yeah. Uh, so you almost have to be two people. It's this sort of cognitive dissonance where you're playing a character that doesn't know, but you yourself do know. Mm -hmm. um, it's all part of the fun. It's part of the empathy. When you play an yeah. RPG character, uh, however much you get into it, some people do full costume and full voices, and they <laughs> they come to the table as this character, and other people just sit down with some dice and, and say, yeah. okay, my character says this. Mm -hmm. But however we do it, we are putting on a costume, we are putting on the persona of another character. So yeah, yeah co cognitive dissonance, being a bit crazy, it's all part of the RPG space, basically. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I would say too, I feel like the role-playing aspect and how into it so many players can be, and especially when we have things in pop culture now, like, like Critical Role, where we watch people playing and they just go all in. They completely become another character physically. I think that aspect of RPG can really intimidate people who've never done it before because not everyone thinks of themselves as an actor, for example. And they think, well, in order to play an RPG, I have to be this great theatrical performer and be able to do all these amazing voices and completely, you know, take on the role and, and completely, you know, immerse myself into a performance as another character. And that's not everybody's cup of tea necessarily. And I think that, you know, from when I talk to just in my personal life, talking to other people who've never played, that's always the thing that they're like the most intimidated by. And then, so, so I think in terms of with this game, the RPG um, for the Dark Crystal specifically, would you say that, I guess it ties in with how you called it a gateway RPG, right? So 
it's a it's really flexible in terms of how into character how performing you need to necessarily get if you really just want to dip your toes into it and you don't have to be an amazing actor and become a gelfling you can still have fun you can still you know go through the events and enjoy um exploring the different um areas of thra and getting to know the gelfling culture those are all things that are definitely still possible regardless of your acting prowess correct oh completely so there's a there's a sort of false parallel there there's a, mm -hmm. there's a sort of a, a false assumption there that we watch these rpg shows yeah um and i'm fortunate enough to have i've played for what wizards of the coast i've played for Modiphius. i've play, mm -hmm. played for a lot of these these big companies yeah. and I've, I've played stream games for them yeah. and the understanding when you do that is that you turn up and you play a character and mm -hmm. you do voice acting and um there's accents and it, it, you are an actor mm -hmm. on those shows yeah but those are tv shows that's yeah. not the same as playing a game around your table no. And so I think that's that's the really important thing to remember. When you're when you're watching these stream games, you're watching actors, mm -hmm. trained actors yeah. who are creating an experience that you are supposed to enjoy. Yeah. They're not doing it because they enjoy it, although they do. They're doing it to allow you to enjoy it. Yeah. When you play a game at home, you're also doing it to allow you to enjoy it. So that's that's rule number one of RPGs. People talk a lot about, you know, must-haves and, you know, what what is an RPG and all of this. An RPG is people having fun. That is rule yeah. number one. Yep. So however people want to have fun, that is correct. So if you want to go in in full costume, in full makeup, and put on a Birmingham accent to be a drencher, <laughs> then do it. And if you want to go in with your dice and your character sheet and say, okay, my character asks a question. My character touches the thing. My character uh, wants to know more about this. What should I What should I roll to find that out? My character um, is going to say something really witty now to the king. You can do that. Yeah. That's okay. You don't. You don't have to think of all the lines. You don't mm -hmm. have to be the playwright and the actor and the and everything else. Although you can. And it's, it's really, it's so much down to your own personal preference and your own personal comfort. And also even like your energy levels that day, because some days I'll go in and I'm like, yes, I am a French thing and I have come to steal your pants. And other days <laughs> I do not have the energy and I, I don't, I don't play a character like that. Yeah. Uh, would you say that, I mean, if somebody, let's say you're a Dark Crystal fan and you've never played a single RPG whatsoever, and you went ahead and pre-ordered the Dark Crystal RPG adventure game specifically because you want it on your shelf because you need to have every Dark Crystal thing that's ever come out. And you may or may not have any interest in ever actually cracking open that book and playing because you're so intimidated by the idea of sitting around a table and pretending to be a Gelfling. That thought is just completely foreign to you. Let's say that person decides finally to crack open that book and give it a shot. Would you recommend that that person find a GM, find a game master um, and participate as a player? Or do you think someone in that situation could take on the role of a game master if they studied the book? And you know, would, would that be something that you think is accessible? 
or should they start off by being a player? All the tools are there. And yeah. um, there are as many or more styles of running a game as there are game masters. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would say that anybody can be a game master. You're, you will be a ringleader for some crazy. That's part of the role. Yeah. You will be you will be setting the scene and you can do that however you want to do that. We've put allowed in the book. So if you simply want to read the allowed, and an allowed is essentially a piece of flavor text that introduces right. a scene. Mm -hmm. So if you if you don't want to describe it in too much detail, if you're if you're nervous about that, you can just just read the setting information to start off with yeah. and invite the your friends to to do what they want to do and, and mm -hmm. go from there. Being a game master is about making judgment calls and it gets easier the more you do it, just like everything else in the world. Yeah. So I would say it's got everything you need to start. There is, as long as everybody is having fun, there is no bad game master. There is no bad game. Yeah. So uh, I would say go for it. Tell, yeah. make, make season two, tell a great yeah. story. Have Absolutely. fun with your friends. That's, that's the stakes. That's it. That's all the stakes. Go have fun. It'll be awesome. <laughs> Great. We have in the chat over here, um, performance RPGs are very different. Some like outside Xbox, hey, that's who I was talking about earlier. Outside Xbox's games are very different from around the table. Um, referring to the channel outside Xbox where they um, normally their channel, they, they comment on video games, but they decided just for fun to start playing an RPG and like film it. And now they've done it I don't even know how many times it's a huge ongoing campaign that they do all the time. And they do live shows now where they like had people come and watch them do it live, um, like at stadiums and then, well, not stadiums, but at, uh, at venues and, um, make big events out of it. And, um, but they are not actors. These people are not, uh, it's not like watching critical role, um, where these are trained voice actors who, you know, put in or how we might imagine what uh, Joe Manganiello's table might be like, <laughs> full of full of actors and people who like go all in with the performance. These are um, nerds. These are nerdy video game playing uh, commentators. You know, they're good hosts, but they're not. We wouldn't necessarily normally see them. You know, doing other accents and. Um, performing in the way that an actor might perform. Um, so we're seeing when we watch their games, um, they're performing in a way that is a lot more relatable to the average uh, Joe and Georgette. So that's, uh, I think, what he's referring to here. But honestly, I'd say go into it, Rob, be your own GM, which I think is a lot of what Janet, um, what you were saying here. Um, definitely be your own GM. And yeah, I, I think if you sit with the book by yourself and and just sort of, practice at it with with no one for a minute i i personally from what i know and understand of the game think that that's something that's totally possible would you agree with that like yeah absolutely um as i say everything everything is there and if it's not there you can just make it up um and that really is the secret of being a gm is is you know you can just make things up and it's okay that being said um uh when we played our little preview um that is now up at Thralloween, those of you who are here. Oh, also we now have um, Ilian. Ilian is here. Hi, amazing artist and always contributing to all that we do. Just an incredible human all around, great puppeteer. Hello, thank you for joining us, Ilian. Um, 
what I was going to say was that basically when we played our little preview, which you can all go watch, um, it's still open. If I'm not mistaken, Zay, they can go see it um, as soon as we're done with our chat. You can go watch it. It's a full uh, gameplay of um, like a we call it a we call it a one shot. I would say. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. Yeah. It's like a like a half shot, like a quarter mm-hmm. shot. And it's Janet and I are the players, and uh, Jack is our GM. So it's just a two person party, um, which is, you know, real real little, real intimate. Um, so we would say that's like the smallest recommended. I, I mean, in, but could you play it with just one player, one you know your your uh, game master and one player? Would you say that that's something that you is doable? Could, but I would suggest more people. I would say two is probably the minimum. Yeah. Um, I think one player and one game master, unless the game master is really throwing in a lot of what we call NPCs, so non-player mm-hmm. characters. Yeah. Uh, that is to say characters controlled by the game master, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be it would be some tough odds, is what I would say. Um, yeah. It's, it's definitely, RPGs are definitely intended to be a social experience as much as they are, you 100%. know, a, 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 an imaginative experience and a creative experience. So... I would say you're missing out a little bit if you yeah. if you don't bring your friends. Um, yeah. But you can play online. A lot of that's what we're all doing right now. Yeah. I, I don't have a single in-person game right now. All of my games are online. Yeah. Um, and it's completely doable. So, um, yeah, don't don't be afraid to just you know, ring some people up and play some Dark Crystal RPG. Yeah, absolutely. So we have uh, when we played, we had a two-person party. And how big do you think the parties could get? Is it sort of like for people who are more familiar with uh, D&D or with Warhammer, um, it, it, there is sort of an understanding of like, there is sort of a maximum when you get beyond a certain number, it gets a little like uh, crazy for the, for the GM to handle. Yeah, um, I mean, the big problem is table management at that point. Yeah. So if you have eight people who are all waiting to take a turn, yeah, it can start to feel a little bit like a board game, and mm-hmm. depending on how your your players play, it can be hard to manage. You know, if you have very chatty players, it can be hard to manage people talking over each other. Yeah. Um, if you have quite reticent players, it can be hard to 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 get a party that is so big because you get a little bit bystander syndrome, mm-hmm. um, where everybody's sort of waiting for everybody else to make the first move. So I I would say anywhere between three and six is a good number. Three and six, yeah. is kind of kind of the golden the golden number there three is enough to have a three-way conversation mm-hmm. um rather than just a back and forth and six is where it starts to get quite chaotic i wouldn't i wouldn't fancy dming more than six people at once although i know yeah. people who do and do successfully but um yeah if you're a beginner gm three to six yeah gotta be yeah i would i would agree with that uh chat says anything bigger than four and it's hurting cats uh that's that's My a good analysis. Ian, if you are a GM, it is always herding cats. <laughs> as an, part of the job description. Yeah. Uh, as an owner of two cats, I, I can say I, I'm up for that challenge, but I do understand the distinction. Um, oh, imagine if you had more than four. <laughs> that's a lot of cats to herd. Too many cats. Too many cats to try to control. If all I have to do is like snuggle with them and let them do their own thing, that's one thing. But when you're at a at an RPG table, you gotta you gotta manage it a little more, and that's that's difficult to do. Um, Ilian says she watched the uh, 
the, our, our video. She watched our, our entire thing. That's awesome. Um, so our game ended up running about an hour and 20 minutes when we did it with two players and a GM. Yeah. Um, would you say that that is a fairly typical session or is that completely flexible depending on how the GM runs their table? Could it go a little less than that? Is it more common? Do you think it could be a little more common for it to go a little longer, just like with D&D sessions? that I've participated in can last any upwards of several of hours. But I know for people who've never played an RPG, that sounds crazy. Like, wait, what? I, you know, my Monopoly games can go up to two hours, maybe, but that's, that's a lot to ask, like several hours. Is it, do you think that the, we're going to sit down at a table for several hours playing this is like a given for a game like this, or is it a little more flexible? I would say it's flexible and it depends on who's playing. So if you're mm -hmm. playing the Dark Crystal RPG with kids, for example, mm -hmm. I would keep sessions to an hour. I would have them very short and sweet. I would not have them any more than an hour because I have been a teacher and I know what kids' concentration levels are like. Even when they are super into something, you're yeah. going to need to give them a break. And that doesn't mean you can't play for 30 minutes, let them go have a run around, play for another 30 minutes. Maybe have a, they have another 30 in them. You'll, yeah. you'll find that out. Um, with adults, I think, and this is, this is quite personal, but I think sessions a lot shorter than two hours are very mm -hmm. short mm -hmm. that's just my personal when you yeah. do streamed games they tend to be two hours mm -hmm. but streamed games move a lot faster than games around a table right because when you're doing streamed games so the games that you will see that are it's like live streamed games mm -hmm. uh, there's always the the consideration that you never have empty air because this okay. is this is a, like a broadcast thing right you never want mm -hmm. empty air time Exactly. Around the table, you can have empty airtime. It's no big deal. It's a completely different dynamic. Yeah. So um, a lot of people make a day of it or they'll, they'll make an afternoon of it. So they'll get in snacks, they'll order pizza. Um, and other for other people, like they have two hours, it's a school night, they have to go home to bed. Um, yeah. But as I say, personally, for an adult group, I wouldn't do less than two hours, simply mm -hmm. because I feel like you don't get enough done. You don't move yeah. the story forward enough. And the yeah. bigger your party, the more time it takes for anything to happen because there's more discussion, more people need to talk, more people need to have character moments. Um, it, it just like everybody knows this herd dynamics. It takes longer to do things with a bigger group. So yeah, um, yeah that's something to take into consideration as well. Yeah. And then also there is with RPGs, it is sort of understood that you're not playing the whole game everything you can possibly do. Don't expect to do all of that in one session. Expect, you know, it's, as you said, it's supposed to take 99 days, <laughs> you know, to, to complete everything in the book should be roughly 99 um, sessions, so to speak, to do all of it. But with an RPG, it's, that's all very flexible. And, and if you want to just do a chunk of it and call that your campaign and then start something new with new characters to go somewhere else, I mean, that's, that's one of the ways that RPGs differ from other tabletop and board game type things, because it's, you know, you, you make it how you, how it fits for the party you have at your table. Um, you have to imagine that an RPG is not a movie, it's right. a series. Mm -hmm. And you'll also have seasons within your series, right? Yep. So there will be the season where you were in um, the Swamp of Sog, and there'll be the mm -hmm. season where you go to Hurrah. 
and you might have multiple episodes in that little season mm -hmm. and then you'll go to somewhere else and you'll start a new kind of arc with the same characters with the same massive big story but within mm -hmm. that you can have sort of smaller seasons so it's it's stories within stories within stories with mm -hmm. RPG campaigns. Yeah. Um, again, in the same way that television series work. So that's a very good model if you're trying to explain to somebody else. It's like we're playing a TV series. It's not mm -hmm. like we're playing a movie. Whereas a yeah. one shot is a lot more. It's a movie, right? It's, yeah. I would say, four hours of your time. It's a big movie. Yeah. We're improvising. But, um, it's a James Cameron yeah. movie. Yeah, exactly. You sit down for a period of time during which a single story plays out. Mm -hmm. So that's that's really the, the big difference there. Definitely. Uh, let's see. Do uh, Ilian says, I don't know if you already answered it, but do Gelfling have classes like bards, paladin, fighters? Good question. Mm -hmm. So um, obviously in a lot of RPGs that we play, not just Dungeons and Dragons, but you know, Pathfinder and um, computer game RPGs, uh, there is this convention that that mm -hmm. people essentially have professions, classes. Mm -hmm. um, in the Dark Crystal RPG, it's much more divided by which class you grew up in. Sorry, not which class, which clan, mm -hmm. I beg your pardon, you grew up with. Because mm -hmm. clans are essentially cultural units. Yeah. Um, so when you when you start when you start creating your character, you pick your clan. So yeah. uh, obviously there are there are seven clans, the Grottens, because we were at the end of the um, at the end of the, the TV series. The Grottens mm -hmm. are understood; they exist. Who can play a Grotten? Um, and of course, any of the other clans as well. Uh, so within that, each clan has certain specialist specialisms, mm -hmm. and you can choose one of those. So okay. off the top of my head, I think the Sifa have. Um, uh, uh, an ability to read signs, a kind of augury style mm -hmm. one. And they also have a sensitivity um, feat. So you mm -hmm. can either be uh, sensitive to Laiaia or you can be um, you can you can be sensitive to omens in in the wider world right. because that's really a part of the Seafan culture. Yeah. Uh, so each each of the different uh, each of the different clans has their own specialisms. You can choose a specialism. Um, of course, if you are female, you can also choose to have, uh, you, you will have wings, and you can also choose to have stronger wings as a, as your specialism instead. So you can be a stronger flyer. Um, right. And that's sort of how character creation starts. So there's no classes per se, but there are skills, a, mm -hmm. a limited number of skills. This is not like a Dungeons and Dragons or, or even a Pathfinder sheet where it's just like dozens and dozens of skills and, and it, reading it is, is going to take your initiative turn, essentially. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's lightweight, um, but you can choose skills and you put points in those skills and uh, that allows you to be better at specific things. So um, yeah, it's, it's culture-based and then you can boost the areas that you're interested in with skills. And that's where your character comes from. Awesome. So yeah, comparing that to um, classes and, and traits and races in Dungeons and Dragons, it is like what, what clan you're from is sort of a weird little hybrid of your class and your race in, and, um, but sort of more streamlined, like a, like a short or like more brief streamlined sort of combination of what we think of as, as class and race sort of in, in one category based Absolutely. on what, what Gelfling clan you're from. 
yeah, yeah definitely. Absolutely. So if you consider clan, if, sorry, if you just consider clan as your race in D and D, then uh, class would be your profession. Yeah. So I think it it, it deals more towards um, more towards race, the clans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, because it also has specific uh, morphological things, like the the drenchons can um, can breathe underwater, for example. Right. So that that's that's sort of racially specific. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, in terms of profession, you can really be whatever you want to be. So you can be a drenchon music person, or you can be a drenchon yeah. uh, somebody who attacks a drenchon fighter or a drenchon bard. Right. If you want to, mm-hmm. if you want to use the use the sort of Dungeons and Dragons class terminology, yeah. So there's a lot more flexibility there about your different skill sets and what you want to be. And then your, uh, in terms of of rolling up a character, character creation, you have your character sheet, you have an idea of what character you want to be. I want to be a Drenchen, and I want to be. Um, you know, a warrior, like I'm an ex-guard. I'm, you know, you're, you're taking a cue from Gurdjian and you're like, I'm, I'm somebody who's beefy and hulky and I um, have some knowledge of the Crystal Castle. How does that translate into creating a character with a character sheet or those things on your character sheet? Um, I know this is probably more of a, more of a Jack question, but um, feel free to elaborate as you see fit on, on yeah. that. But Absolutely. So um, you come with your character concept. You will mm-hmm. you will pick uh, a clan. You will pick your skills. You'll decide what you want to be good at, and that will probably reflect where you've come from and the kind of character that you want to play. Uh, one of the really critical things that you pick mm-hmm. is how you were called to the mystical stone circle of the. Um... Oh, I'm blanking. Um, not the Skeksis, the... Oh, the Mystics? The Mystics. The Uru? Thank you so much. The uh-huh. Uru. I was like, Uru, Uru. No, that's Yay. the wrong word. It was correct. <laughs> there we go. Um, I should mention I've written four RPGs since I wrote the Dark RPGs. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the writing was, was a while ago. Um, but yeah, sorry. So um, you pick how you were drawn to the circle of the Mystics because that's where the story starts. So there's a there's a sort of where did I come from, what is my skill set, um, which also reflects sort of who you are and, and what you do. Um, you will pick some flaws because flaws are a, a critical part. I've built flaws into some of the uh, into some of the adventures as well. They are mm-hmm. very important. Um, and then finally, you'll you'll pick the start of your story, the thing that led you to the beginning of that that first big arc the 99 days Mm -hmm. what led you to the mystic circle in the first place where you get your quest so when you say 99 days can that be 99 days in universe or are we referring to 99 sessions as players so it's 99 in universe days okay and what they've done is they've included uh this beautiful wheel where you can cross the days off one by one so you can Mm -hmm. keep track right um and essentially the idea is that you during these 99 days you have to go out into thra and find the these seeds of the great trees now there's seven great trees within thra one for each clan Mm -hmm. and you have to find the seed because this is a kind of arc that will Mm -hmm. preserve the future of these great trees um so 
the 99 days refer specifically to in-game. Uh, you might cover several days in a session if things are moving quickly, particularly if you're traveling, mm -hmm. right? Because you have to get from one place to the other. That takes right. time. Mm -hmm. But you also, if you're in a very a very big scene and there are some very big scenes within the book, mm -hmm. it might take you several sessions to do a day. So it's one of these things where like narrative time is fluid. Sometimes yeah. you basically have a travel montage or a training yes. montage and, mm -hmm. and like time, time moves in, in universe quite quickly yeah. out of universe. And sometimes you'll go right in. Um, for example, there's, um, there's at least one, like, if you're familiar, classic Dungeons and Dragons dungeon that okay. I've added. Mm -hmm. um, so you go in and you explore and you're, you're exploring a space and it's a big winding labyrinth of a space. And there's a lot of things that can go wrong and a lot of strange characters and weird monsters that you'll meet. And that might take more than your two hour session. So you might do several sessions within one day, within one location. Right. Time is a lie, as we were saying yeah. before. Yeah, just like in real life, it, it definitely is. Um, but, and then a lot of that, it, all of that rather is really at the GM's discretion. If, Absolutely. you know, you sort of, when you are a game master, there is a huge element of sort of reading the room. How is the pacing going up until this point? How long is it taking my party to get this done or that done? Would it behoove me at this point to say, and now we fast forward to next week or, um, you know, a few days go by and we are here. Um, or if, you know, they're blowing through stuff really, really fast, um, you know, it, it really, I have found as, as a player in um, several RPGs and now for this one that it really varies depending on I mean, what kind of a GM you have, like how they like to run their games and then what the tone of the table sort of has given you because it can vary from party to party. Um, so, yeah. Oh, I just wanted to add that. I yeah. One of the really important things with time because it's so fluid mm -hmm. um, is just making sure that you're setting up player expectations really well. So yeah. if players ask, um, yeah. okay, I want to go to X, you can say, mm -hmm. okay, it's going to take you this many days travel. And you just make sure that they're super clear on the time that they're buying into before they move. Yeah. Now, that's important anyway in a story, and that's important anyway at a table. But when you are, when one of your critical game currencies is days, because you only have 99 of them, yeah. that is so important to be, okay, it's going to take you this many days to get there. Is there anything you want to do on the journey? Mm -hmm. Or, uh, okay, um, it's currently mid-afternoon. You've, you've arrived at the... the Great Smurf, wherever you want to be. You've arrived at Great Smurf. It's mid-afternoon. You've got a couple of hours before you need to you need to start thinking about going to sleep. Is there anything you want to do? And if they look at each other and say yes, then then you play out the scene. And if they say no, I'm really tired. We we all just want to go to sleep. Then you say okay, the day ends. We start a new day. You wake up. What do you do? Right. So just really setting out how time is flowing. Yeah. being very clear about how time is flowing so a player isn't like oh wait no the day has ended oh wait no actually i wanted to go do this that and the other um and then on the other hand just being really realistic with players like no you cannot also go there and do this and do that and go shopping and speak to the the murderer <laughs> and and also yeah. do a uh um a, a, a race like a, yeah. a landslider race all in one mm -hmm. day there's not enough hours it's not possible yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, helping helping them understand the budget of time is is a really critical thing, more even in this RPG than any other. And I can see that being uh, a common, I guess, if you want to call it a problem that players of this game might have because Dark Crystal fans are so hungry to just explore and do all the things that that might be the instinct at first is to be like, I want to do all the things today. <laughs> we're going to race land striders. We're going to go on a boat. We're going to go fight us, Gexies. We're like, we're going to do all this stuff. Like, and yeah, it is your job to kind of evaluate, um, as a game master, how to divvy that up in your in your sessions, and yeah. um, and that's true of of any of any RPG really. That being said, last thing I did want to touch on though, because we haven't really talked about it that much yet, is when you're actually playing the game, deciding here's what I'm going to do, how do I do it. Walk us through a little bit, and I can comment on it as well because I've done it now. Um, how does that work in terms of I want to do a thing? How do I do a thing? What dice am I rolling? What am I writing down? Okay, so it's it's really very straightforward. Essentially, um, in RPGs, um, in general, and there are RPGs that work differently. Of course, there are. Uh, mm -hmm. There are two components when you want to do something. Mm -hmm. uh, there's uh, your skill, your ability to do it. That might reflect your training. That might mm -hmm. reflect, uh, uh, represent your innate aptitude to do something as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's luck, because even the most skilled of us can have bad days. Right. So your skill is represented by your skill points. So as I said, that might represent, uh, I'm naturally very dexterous. So my, my dexterity-based skills are all higher because I'm, I'm just very live and dexterous or mm -hmm. I'm very, very weak. So I don't have any skills in anything that is strength related. Um, so, so and, and that's the, the points area. Then the, the dice represents the chance. So mm -hmm. on, a, on a D6, on a regular dice, that's uh, one to six chance. Mm -hmm. So I will roll my dice hopefully roll high, um, add my skill points that I have because I am very good or not very good at this thing. And that I will come up with a number. That number will be compared to a number that the game master has, which reflects the difficulty of a challenge. So for instance, I'm trying to open a door that's stuck. I'm a fairly strong character. So I have a point in strength and maybe I have another point in brute force which is okay. one of the specialized skills. Mm -hmm. So I have two points there already and I will roll my dice. The game master knows it's a five check to open the door. Mm -hmm. So I have my two skill points. Let's say I roll a four, that will give me six. So I have managed to open the door. Yep. So in the game, basically I will tell the game master, I'm opening that door. And I was like, all right, give it a try. My character mm -hmm. will try as the player, I will roll the dice add the skill points and he will tell me if I've succeeded or not based on the yeah. math. Awesome. That simple. And then as the game master, in terms of figuring out what number your players are trying to beat with their roles, is that something the game master just thinks of at their own discretion or are they rolling for that? Or is that specified in the book? Opening doors is a, a five or, you know, so that is, we, we've given a table at the beginning, which says, mm -hmm. okay, if it's, if it's a one, anybody can do it. If it's, mm -hmm. uh, if it's a nine, I think is the hardest. It's, um, mm -hmm. it's, it's almost impossible for a girlfriend to do alone. And that's where combined checks will come in, which I won't talk about today because I'm really not the expert on those. Right. But essentially, as we talked about before, girlflings working together 
can do extraordinary things. It's very much a theme yeah. of the RPG. So you can help each other to open mm-hmm. that door. If you yep. failed alone, somebody can come and help you and help you and add their strength to yours. Um, there are some things that have specified checks. And yeah. generally there will be, okay, if there's, if there's something hidden, there's a specified check to find it. There's a perception check. If there is something that is really hard to pull out that's stuck, that will be a specified strength check. Um, and generally those are things where it's more more story related to the to the setup so it's often it's a little bit harder or we wanted to reflect okay this is a very difficult task or this is a very easy task and then we'll set the the dc that's the the difficulty challenge essentially but in general there's a little table you make a choice okay how hard do i think this really is and as a gm you just make a choice you make a call and uh it always gets easier the more you do it yeah Definitely. Just like anything. Well, any other things that anyone is wondering, want to ask that we haven't touched on, now is the time to throw that out there. Zay, if you're wondering anything in particular you want to throw out there, now is the time with our last few moments. Any lingering I think, questions? Yeah, I think we've, we've kind of covered all of the, the, everything that I was kind of thinking. We've covered in great detail. Thank you, Janet. And probably just kind of want to say to everyone listening that firstly, if you do get together with friends and play this, especially if you dress up, we would love to see it. Please put it on social media, tag us, tag World Anvil, tag River Horse, tag Trial by Stone, tag The Great Conjunction. We will share it and I would just absolutely love to see people playing it. And if you are finding that you don't have anyone to play with and you need some some dark crystal buddies or want some dark crystal buddies, do reach out to us on social media. Um, Let Sydney know. I'm sure that we can we can do some stuff online and we can kind of work with you to to get some some small groups together. Absolutely. You guys have a discord, don't you? Uh, there is a Dark Crystal Discord. We just uh, got our Trial by Stone uh, Discord going. So that does exist now. That is a thing. Um, so that is a place where we can start organizing things of that nature. We are, uh, after the book is out um, next year, we will be doing more um, episodes that will be gameplay um, and we'll be bringing guests on to play. So when we get closer to that, if there's anybody out there who wants to hop on and and play with us uh in an episode or two or three um let always reach out let us know there is also the crystal shard facebook group um is a great place to reach out uh and see if there's anybody out there who will play with you um there's i mean over ten thousand members in that group at this point so definitely um ask around don't be shy we are all looking to find each other Um, I will also, I did, there's one more thing I wanted Janet to talk about. And I know that you sort of teased a little bit that World Anvil will have some new special dark crystal fun. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, I can. So um, it's worth mentioning that, uh, first of all, I am the founder and CEO of World Anvil, which is a Mm -hmm. world building platform Uh, a place where you can organize and store and create fictional worlds. You can share them with others or keep them private. And then you can run an RPG campaign with them. We have a campaign management software or write novels. We have a full (laughs) novel writing software as well. Yeah. But 
When I was writing the RPG, I uh, I had to sort of engage my my dual personality mode because I was mm-hmm. not writing as you know the director of World Anvil. I was writing as as an RPG writer who who writes RPGs in the space. It's, it's one of, of many that I've I've contributed to. Um, mm-hmm. But at the end of the project, when it all went up, Jack came to me and was like, "It would be really cool if we could have a public interactive map." of Thra so that people could see all of these places and get the page numbers quickly to jump around, to explore a little bit of space. Um, And we started talking about it. So there will be an interactive map going up on World Anvil um, for the world of Thra. So all of that map, all of the scenes that we've been talking about, you'll be able to quickly Mm. click around, see all the page numbers, navigate it instantly. Um, books are wonderful. Please don't get me wrong. My house is basically made of them, mm-hmm. but um, you can't beat the the quickness and the ergonomic nature of of something that is so quick and interactive and mm-hmm. and so visual. Uh, there's also going to be some other information going up there, I believe, some uh, character creation information that you'll you'll be able to share immediately with players. So even if they're not in your house, you'll be able to say, okay, go to this web page and you can create your character. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe a few goodies in the future as well. We've been, been discussing awesome. some fun things, but nothing I can yeah. I can reveal right now. So as of now, it's supplementary tools to help you get started with the Dark Crystal Adventure game. Anything Absolutely. you might need for um, where to go, where to explore, what, where to find what you need in the book. It's basically, you need it. That's what it sounds yeah. like to me. It's Absolutely. You know, oh, and digital character sheets. Got to mention that so you amazing have digital character sheets um and uh if you want to we have mm-hmm. a full social character space as well so you can play by post there you can mm-hmm. manage your equipment the stuff you're carrying uh carrying you can write journals for your characters as well which is something mm-hmm. i love to do as an rpg player is, is write the story in my character's voice so that's something that you can do there as well in the character manager um for the dark crystal when those when those interactive character sheets come out Amazing. So for everyone out there, um, here are all of the plugs you need to know. World Anvil, um, where where do they need to go to find all of the World Anvil things? Is it as simple as just Googling World Anvil, social media? Where do you want to direct them to first? Well, I would say go to worldanvil.com mm-hmm. where you can uh, start creating your own version of Thra and why not. <laughs> Um, but otherwise, you can find us across the internet at World Anvil. We're on all social media platforms. And we also have a YouTube account where we release yep. uh, not just tutorials about how to use our own platform, but also mm-hmm. advice on how to create in, uh, intriguing characters and how to run games and uh, how to tell stories and craft plots and all the kind of good stuff you need to do once your world is made. Yep. And then as well, we also have uh, at riverhorse.eu. That is where you can go to pre-order the Dark Crystal Adventure game. Uh, You can still pre-order it, of course. It comes out December 31st. Um, Definitely make some great holiday presents or just a Tuesday present. So head on over to Riverhorse and pre-order it. Um, continue having fun here with us at Thralloween, uh, of course, run by the great conjunction and the wonderful TamesCon with Zay. Thank you so much, Zay, for helping moderate and with the chat. 
and um, everybody go get your hands on the book, please, and check out World Anvil. Um, watch our preview video if you haven't yet. Um, and if you like the music in our preview video, as well as what you heard in the trailer, um, you can find more amazing RPG music and amazing RPG content over at Chance Encounters RPG on YouTube. Um, my lovely best friend and brother, Ian Frost, uh, composed all the music and he composes just endless RPG music for all your RPG needs. So please go check out Chance Encounters if you have not yet, if you like the music in our little trailer. And anything else anyone wants to plug, now's the time. Otherwise, we're set to jet. We're good. All right, thank you everybody in the chat for asking questions. Ian, Eliane, Sam, everybody. Thank you so very much. And uh, we'll catch you next time on Trial by Stone and happy Halloween. Bye everyone. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can do so at darkcrystalpodcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash darkcrystalpodcast. Follow us on Instagram at darkcrystalpodcast and on Twitter at darkcrystalpod. Thank you all so much and stay tuned for the next episode of Trial by Stone.